0: You're listening to Coloring Outside the Memos with myself, Dr. Tiffany Money Quash, and Dr. Lizzie Bartelt, a podcast about all things qualitative research. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Cheers. And welcome back, our friends, to our podcast, Coloring Outside the Memos. I am Dr. Tiffany with Dr. Lizzie. And we are so excited to have you here with us today. We are talking about ethics. Dr. Lizzie, I'm turning it over to you. And we've, I'm ready. I'm ready to talk about this. I've got my pencil and notebook and backpack and... (laughs) <laughs> water bottle, because I, I think we're going to need to be hydrated for this particular conversation.
1: <laughs> we are. I have my big mug of tea. I'm all settled in with my cozy sweater on, so <laughs> we're getting both sides of the coin here. Well, listeners, welcome back. Thank you for listening to us still. Uh, the Where I want to start with this conversation is kind of to give you all a positionality statement on how we come to ethics and research. Ethics is something I've thought of, spent a lot of my life thinking about. Uh, when I was in college, I took a philosophy class and I hated it. I hated it so much. Um, it's so funny to think about that now, because I talk about ethics all of the time, but in undergrad, I was like, this is a s- ridiculous class. And I'm supposed to argue with the professor and I don't want to be arguing in class, but then I would get really mad and I would argue. And at the end of the semester, I was like, I'm going to fail this class. Cause I argued all the time. And the professor was like, you were fantastic. And I was like, how I yelled at you in class. Of course you were fantastic though. Of course. <laughs> stress me out so much. You just don't even know. Younger Lizzie was not ready for that. Anyway, ethics in research, I think, is something normally when I talk about this in the classroom, students are like, oh, this is such a boring topic. And I'm like, no, guys, it's really interesting. And we have to talk about why we do things the way we do. And let's talk about Tuskegee and let's talk about Milgram and let's talk about, you know, some of these really unethical things that were done in the name of research. And have we changed it? Have we not changed it? What has happened since then? And we'll talk about birth control trials in Puerto Rico. And we'll talk about various other uh, things that are still ongoing. And... um like Andrew Wakefield and vaccines. And we'll talk about various, various things with ethics. And as I think about ethics and research, as I was preparing for this episode, I was thinking about all of those things. And I was thinking about the hours I've spent thinking about how to conduct myself ethically professionally. I've thought about the trainings I've done on um, professional ethics and trying to understand that in various points in my career for more than a decade, I've been doing different kinds of training on that. And I thought, how in the world are we going to talk about this in this podcast? And what can I say? Because this is a public record kind of thing. And what can I not say? And how do I want to talk about this? And it's come down to the fact that there are going to be some things we talk about very openly and some things we say, you know what, we're not going to really Go fully into that because of where we are right now. Um, not because we want to hide things from you all listeners, but because we want to be really thoughtful in how we're moving forward. So that's how I come to this, Dr. Tiffany. How do you come to this? I, I just love how you say that. I think the other part to it is you were saying how we come to
0: it, how we're coming to ethics, talking about this topic right now, is that we are also both very, um, we're young emerging scholars and (laughs) (laughs) and 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 we're kind of new in our own careers and you know we not that we are fearless but we also need to be mindful we're being mindful of our own careers as we're moving forward and so I just love how you're saying like this is you know Doing this podcast is a part of a public record. It it, it really is. Um, people have come back um, to us and said, "Hey, I listened to your podcast, and you were talking about da 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 da." And we're like, "Yep, we have, we did." Um, and which is wonderful and great because now we know that people are actually listening. The other part to it, though, is that people are actually listening. So-
1: <laughs> <laughs> Double
0: edged sword. <laughs> um now if I could only get people to respond on Twitter that would be great um (laughs) mystery mystery right um but I mean so it's just it's so we're 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 also very new in our own fields and as as emerging scholars and so we're just being mindful and so I just want to reiterate that so um but yeah thank you so much Dr. Lizzie for stating our positionality Um, in this and how we are approaching this particular
1: topic. So yeah, you're welcome. And thank you for adding on. That was really good. So when you think about ethics and research, what are some of the pieces that come to the top of your mind for how we need to be ethical in conducting research, Dr. Tiffany? So Dr. Lizzie, what I think about when
0: I, I, when it comes to behaving ethically is is this, how does this impact me as an individual? Um, how does it impact the community that I'm working with? Am I keeping in mind the what I wrote down in the IRB? Am I keeping in mind what I have told? If it's my funders, um, I I've only come across this once but once or twice but is it the funders that you know am, am I keeping that in mind so there are a couple of key players that are that are that are there and and these are things I'm sure we're going to be talking about today which I am very very grateful for so these are the things that I kind of think about um when I think about ethics and research um but most importantly I would say it's it's more than just about me it's 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 about the community that I'm working with. Am I, am I taking from the community or am I working with the community? Am I giving to the community? You know, I mean, I, I'm not trying to be a savior by any means. And I think that's something that's really, really important because you and I have talked about, particularly on this podcast, about what it means to be working with communities and how we're, we are not saviors. You know, we're working with communities um, in our next, um book review, we're going to be talking about this and talking about um ethnographies and you know eth- decolonizing ethnography um from an anthropological perspective um, but without getting more into that later. But I'm so excited, yeah, and it covers ethics. It you know, very it, it does discuss ethics. so I mean, this' is this is something that I think about. It's something that I think about constantly. Um, particularly in our in our work, you know.
1: So, yeah. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, we've definitely touched on ethics in a lot of our episodes already. You're absolutely right. And we're gonna keep talking about it, listeners, because this is not a one episode uh thing. This is a constant ongoing part of research for us. So I think where I wanted to start this conversation was differentiating personal versus professional ethics. So when I say that, a lot of times people give me the, uh, what in the world are you even saying face? You all know that face. Uh, People give me that face and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, If it's in class, my students are like, Dr. B, you are full of nonsense. And I'm like, okay, let's break that down so the classic example I give that most people can be on board with is imagine you have a 13-year-old daughter and uh, you she comes to you and says, I want to be on birth control. Your personal ethics might say, no, you're 13. You're not having sex right now. Absolutely not. But in a professional setting, if you have a 13-year-old patient and they come to you for birth control that cannot be your response because that is unethical professionally. And so you might have a difference between personal and professional ethics, therefore. Now, I think that's a pretty easy example to bite into, but we also have these with research, right? Uh, We might not go up to somebody like I wouldn't go up to a random stranger on the street and be like, have you ever had have you ever choked someone during sex? It's not a question you would just ask a random stranger on the street, but it is a question I would ask somebody in research. I hope not. I hope nobody is asking
0: that question randomly and just going up to people saying, Hey, is this what you do
1: during sex? Right. But it is a question you would ask in research. So personally and professionally, right? We know that we wear different hats and we all Already know that, right? Um, but how do you deal with the ethics of when you can ask that and how you can ask that and what you do with that information and how you keep people safe? And so most of uh, researchers generally know and understand this principle, but most of us think about this in terms of I want to act ethically, and I'm going to make good decisions, but you get to this fork in the road decision and you're like, I don't know, this doesn't seem like that big of a thing. And you make your decision and then another one comes up and you make that decision. And all of a sudden you're down a road that you didn't expect to be down. And this happens pretty easy and pretty quickly. For instance, uh, you get data results in and you see a bunch of people that are right on the state line and you're only doing it within your state. And you're like, I don't know, we'll just let them in. We're short on numbers. And it's probably the same anyway, because they're right on the edge. And then, you know, you're looking at your data again later and you're like, oh, a bunch of these are the same IP addresses. Well, you know, that probably doesn't matter actually. And It's not that much of a leap to not hold hard and fast on whatever your preset rules were for that to doing some other kind of data manipulation that doesn't seem like that big of a deal in the time, but maybe actually is. And so it can be really easy to throw stones and be like, oh, why would people be unethical in research? But in reality, there are a lot of times that, people make those really small decisions that they don't think are really small, but are actually really big. So how do you manage those kinds of situations? Do you have any thoughts or advice or suggestions or very carefully?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, I, it's, it's just, I think what we were talking about before the, before we started the episode was being a good person and what does it mean to be a good person and being a good person ethically? Like, what does that really entail? And um, it's, I personally, in your, in my mind, I don't see it as a hard thing, but at the same breath, we all have different, as you were saying, before the episode started, like we all have different personalities and we all have different perspectives and perspectives and ideals to what good I'm doing my air quotes, what good really means. And so, and what ethical really means. And so I do like your, your example of who, you know, the decision you're making as a professional can be different than your decision that you make personally. Now, whether or not that the right decision, the right decision um, comes up in your research, I think you have to think it through. Like, are you doing this or whatever the decision is, are you doing it with a clear mind and with a good conscience? I mean, that's what goes through my mind. And again, as we said to everybody at the beginning, this is going to be a little bit of a different podcast because, or a different episode, because uh, talking about ethics is, it's not an easy, this is not an easy uh, topic.
1: No, no, it's not an easy topic. And it's a really murky one. And well, I think we're both extremely, thoughtful and conduct our research with the utmost ethics. It There are questions in every research study and there are questions of how do we handle this situation that no one could have seen coming and what do we do with this? And I think that's part of where your team comes in. It's part of where your mentors come in. It's part of When you talk to somebody else and say, okay, I'm not sure how to handle this one. Or you call up your IRB and you say, okay, here's this weird thing that happened and I don't know what to do about it. Um, The example you used earlier, um,
0: before we started, again, I'm going back to before we talk so much, if y'all haven't figured out, we talk so much (laughs) before we start these episodes. Um, And then also before, before those is, you know. When you write your IRB and then you're writing up your transcript, do you remember what you were saying before about the ums and the likes?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So is it data manipulation? If you are cut, if somebody you're interviewing a participant in a qualitative, traditional qualitative study, you're looking at the transcript and their statement is, um, I, um, really like, um, uh when I, um, am touched, um, a, like, um, uh, um, uh, like a certain kind of way during, um, uh, like, you know, sexual, well, you know, like physical activity with, um, uh, like, um, um, like, you know, like my partner, like, um, you know, in certain, um, like areas. And we have to remind people,
0: like, what you do and what you type of research you do. Let me remind people that <laughs>
1: right sorry y'all I do a lot of sexual health research so my examples tend to be in sexual health realm so if that is your statement most of those likes and ums are completely unnecessary right they do not add or detract from that statement but there are a couple that actually do change the meaning of that correct right and so how do you decide can I cut these out or is that so cluttering the transcript that it makes my participant sound like they're really unintelligent Mm. or does it add to the stigma if I put this in or does it count as data manipulation if I take this out or how do when do you clean those up and when do you not and how do you decide what is the right thing to do with Editing and like not editing, but cleaning data or not cleaning data. See, this is where I get really on edge
0: when people, you know, those, there's like a free program out in the universe. I won't name it where you can send your audio file and it'll give you, it'll pop out the transcript. I won't say what the name of it is my problem there are a lot of them there's a lot of them there's a lot of them but the problem with it is number 1 you have already more than likely you have told IRB that you will transcribe or you will send it to get you will pay or whatever to have it transcribed but the thing is that that audio file you don't know especially the free ones you don't know where that audio file is going so that's always been my I always cringe when people are like oh yeah I sent it on this free one and I'm like oh oh but do you know where the audio went you know um and then on top of it like the ethical part that I you know you did you say as the researcher I'm like going I'm like I'm pounding my hand right now. Did you say as a researcher that you would transcribe or that you would pay to have somebody transcribe, you know, the the interview? So that that's an example of
1: ethics. It is. It is. And being really clear in what you're reporting in your write-ups of your research and what data you're saving and how much you've de-identified it before it goes anywhere else. And is it encrypted? Is it saved? How is it saved? What are all of those digital questions that we all have to grapple with at this point, right? And are you using a QDA or in case you don't know listeners, a qualitative data Uh, analysis? analysis? yeah. A program program or software software. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the QDAs are phenomenal, but if you, if they're stored in the cloud, is the cloud secure? Is it encrypted? If they're stored on your hard drive, is that secure? Is it encrypted? If you have to save it and send it to somebody, are you sending it through email? That's not secure. No email is secure. So how are you keeping it secure? Are you using box? Are you using Dropbox? Are you using Google drive? Are you using what? And like some of those are varying continuums of levels of security, right? And some schools will not let you like that's right not let
0: you use a certain I will not name names certain program because they're like no we provide an encrypted service so you need to state that you're using our encrypted service so it's just something to be very very mindful of I'm just thinking like ethical gosh you know before we started this episode
1: we were both struggling Dr. Lizzie we were struggling (laughs) we're like how are we going to do this? I'm like, <laughs> well, but that's kind of the problem, right? Because it's like a rabbit hole of things we can get into and talk about with this, um, topic, but I also think with ethics or maybe it's an ethics hole, uh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> I just lost you completely into laughter okay. so uh we we have to also think about with ethics not just the because I feel like all of these things we're pulling up and all of these things that I have on my notes for this episode are these things that researchers tend to complain about like of Oh my gosh, I have to do this thing or, oh, it's taking longer because I have to do this or I have to, you know, figure out this or I have to jump through the hoops of the IRB or the grant or the this or the that or the school program or all of these different things because we're so used to like trying to get things out quickly because we have all of these quote-unquote productivity challenges and so on and so forth. And these things can really slow you down and they're really time-consuming and they're really hard. Ethical questions sometimes are lost in the middle of that because of you have to do it. Or sometimes you think, okay, well, I checked all of the boxes for the IRB. I checked all of the boxes for the funder. I checked all of the boxes for the university. So I'm free and clear. I can do what I want now. But the problem is there are always loopholes in the middle of those or things that aren't fully covered by any of those or murky areas in the middle. And so how do you find the ethics in the middle of that? And I think that's really one of those areas that goes back to this idea of personal versus professional ethics. It goes back to what is your own kind of like honor code or how do you want to stop and pause your idea, Dr. Tiffany earlier of
0: Sorry, I was doing my honor code, my Girl Scouts, my,
1: <laughs> on my honor. Love it. I thought you were counting down for some other reason. No, uh, no, no,
0: no,
1: no, Got no. it. So your idea earlier, Dr. Tiffany, of clear-headed and like thoughtful, I think is really, really important. But it, I wonder if. If we're talking to somebody who's brand new to research or somebody who has been doing it forever and isn't used to pausing and thinking anymore because some of these decisions are just automatic at this point, right? how do we stop and really think about some of these harder ethical questions that we all have to deal with as researchers, right? Of like, are we recruiting fairly? Are we reporting in thoughtful ways. Are we using words that are going to hurt somebody or how do we We're stay up on harm. all of those things? Right.
0: I just, I just want to be like, are we, are we, and maybe producing is in the world, but are we causing harm?
1: Are we mm. causing
0: harm? Mm. I and mean, I think, you know, it's when you put those things in a perspective, it's like, oh, wow. Like I, I am causing pain because I'm doing this or I'm doing that. I think the other part to this is going back to the number one thing, which is uh, what is your research question? Yeah. And how is your research question, um, how how are the questions you're going to ask that come out of your research question going to impact your community? I think that's, that's something, that, you know, yeah. it always, all of this goes back, always goes back to the research question. It always goes back to that.
1: It it does, but even the research question is it an ethical question to even be asking?
0: It is, yeah. You know, yeah.
1: Like one of ask yourself, ask yourself, is this a question that you would want to ask your mama? No, (laughs) I mean, in my research area, I don't want to (laughs) ask. I mean, yeah, I'm not really sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, I just, but maybe like somebody that you care
0: about deeply. Let me rephrase this. Like, is this a question? That you would want to ask somebody that you respect and care about. Yeah. If it's not a question that you don't respect the person, would rethink your question. Yeah. I'm just saying that's my own opinion. Yeah, but and well, that's not that's not
1: a scientific response. <laughs> well, and I think. I think that having multiple people involved is really helpful, but it's only as helpful as those people are. True. If you have a group of people who are just going to say yes, that's not going to really dig into that. No. No. Um, And some research teams really are like that, right? And some research teams will really sit down and Iron out these hard ethical questions of how do we ask about this thoughtfully? And
0: I think about um, what has been your role typically on the research team when it came to ethics. I, you knew I was going gonna... <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> to. I just um, ask you a loaded question? I can tell you what my role has always been. Tell me. Tell me. So, so I remember I was on this one research team and. The other people on the team, they were all yes people, and I was like, mm, no. <laughs> uh, um, what about people of color? What about this? What about that? That is, you know, and I just kept, I, I kept talking about marginalized populations, and they were like, but Tiffany, there there are none that are a part of. And I like, they, I'm not saying that they said there are none, but it was like we're not coming up with enough to make a statement of because of the type of study that it was and I was like well then we need to go out and go search we need that's to go right. search for people that's
1: right that's right
0: <laughs> so I was that person that was like well we need to keep pushing forward and we need to yeah. keep doing this yeah. and and so that has always been my role on research teams yeah. um yeah. not on our current research team it's a very different um yeah,
1: yeah. But yeah No. And I mean, I'm often that person too. There have been like my earlier research team experiences were a little bit more of sitting in the background and occasionally being like, wait, that doesn't sound right. Can we go back? Why are we doing this? Um, So in varying ways, yeah, I'm almost always that person too. It's part of the reason we're friends. Yeah. I mean, so I think when we think about that in ethics, I mean, it's more
0: of, excuse me, just thinking about wow is is that group of people represented you know um and are they represented fairly I mean I are their voices heard
1: yeah well and but I think about this too and I think about some of the problematic research that has been done has been done with the very best of intentions um if we think about
0: But there is a difference between intentions and impact.
1: Correct. Right. And so like, I want our readers to think, or our readers, our listeners, <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's all good. We fine. know who you are. We know who you are. <laughs> um, To think about like, not just intent, but also that impact piece, right? Because one of... Sometimes when I'm working with students on research projects and I'm helping them think through some of those things, I'll say to them, what is the absolute worst way somebody could interpret this, what you're writing? And they look at me and they are like, that is such a mean question. And I'm like, okay, but really though, think about it. And how could somebody who is absolutely anti to our like what you're trying to produce here use this statement for harm and then they look at it again and they're like oh and right I you know honestly I I don't think
0: that so when I was writing my dissertation it wasn't a question of harm it was a question of because my field is leisure behavior how is this related to leisure behavior And and I I think it was like trying to push because I think that's what people, I think that's what hopefully our colleagues will try to do is to push us into thinking in a way that will challenge the, the current narrative that's out there so that our work is more sound. On the flip side, when you get a question like that, it is very easy that that can be a turnoff, you know. And it's like, eh, I don't believe you just asked me that question, you know. Um, so yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and that's such a good point because there, like, there are those ethical questions of the field has believed this for the last 50 years and my data says something else. What do I do with this? Do I publish it? Do I not? Do Is it unethical to not publish it? Is it unethical to publish it? Is one study enough? Like, how do you know? And ultimately I think there's no right answer on these really hard questions, there's talking to people who know something about it, who have some experience in it. There's understanding who you are as a person. Um, I like to think that I'm a person who's going to push back and who's going to stand up and say something when I see something. Right. Um, but it's, it's hard.
0: I think there's something that we're talking about research. And data collection. And there was something that we were talking with uh Dr. DW. <laughs> and we we're Love. talking about her, Dr. Deanna Williams. And we were specifically talking about member checking and what that really entails. And I think it's so important to i mean it goes back to the ethics of when we're collecting that data of okay i have communicated with the group of people i have just interacted with i am being transparent with the group of people i have just interacted with and so even, even in, and if you, if folks have don't, don't remember that episode, you need to take a look or look, a listen, look, we are talking about looks and books and reading. <laughs> you need to listen to that episode, that particular episode, because we definitely talk about member checking and, and as a part of that whole data collection process, I don't know, there was something that you just said. It just kind yeah, of reminded yeah, me. Yeah, of, no, of- I love
1: it. I love it. So. I think with all of that, listeners, I think we'll kind of stop our conversation here because or start to wrap up our conversation here because we could talk about this for days and years and hours. But I ultimately think that we can't give you every answer on this. We can just tell you generally that think about it deeply, have conversations about it, talk to other people about it. Um, Dr. Tiffany, do you have any wrap up or closing thoughts that you want to leave our listeners with? There was something, I'm going to just read what you wrote on this.
0: And you wrote, ethics is not simply in checking a laundry list of things to do. It runs deeper. According to the dictionary.com, ethics is defined as moral principles that govern a person's behavior or conducting of an activity. And I just want to let you know, like when seeing that there, ethics is not a laundry list. It's not like tick, 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 tick. You know, I mean, it's, it's just not. You know, and, and I think people can hear that, you know, we are even struggling and trying to, we're trying to be as transparent with you as possible, but also just being like, listen, just be be more of a good person, like leave, leave the scene better than how you found it, you yeah. know? Yeah.
1: And. I think that's absolutely right. And I love that. I love that you uh, like picked up on that and ran with it because it's true. It's not a laundry list. One of the things I want to leave you all with dear listeners is a quote that I heard at a conference I was at last fall, which was the society for the scientific study of sexuality or more commonly known as quad S Dr. Madeline Sutton, who is a black woman, Um, very prestigious in her field, in the field of sexual health research, said, whatever table you get a seat at, use it to advocate for those who are not at the table. Whatever table you get a seat at, use it to advocate for those who are not at the table. Dr. Madeline Sutton. And I think that that is so critical for how I think about ethics. How are you using your seat at the research table to advocate for those who are not there? How are you using it to add to the conversation? Or how are you using it to continue the same conversation that we've been having for the last 300 years on who should be at the table and who shouldn't be at the table?
0: Dr. Lizzie, that was deep. Yeah, that was deep. Mm. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much, listeners. Thank you so much, Dr. Lizzie. Uh, Thank you,
1: Dr. Tiffany.
0: Uh, Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Um, Until next time, listeners. Follow us on socials. Definitely follow us. Uh, uh, Thank you so much for the reminder. Follow us on socials um, at C-O-T-M pod. That should be correct. Yeah. (laughs) On Twitter. (laughs) oh check it it out on our show notes it'll be in the show notes check it out on the show notes definitely email us send us um, a message on twitter thank you so much and for everybody we look forward to you listening to us next time until then cheers cheers This episode of Coloring Outside the Memos has been brought to you by Dr. Lizzie Bartelt and Dr. Tiffany Winnie-Quash. Transcripts were edited by Sheda Barzargani. The editor, website designer, and our producer is Lindsay Studer. Our graphic designers are Teddy Gabrielli and Gas Dellister. This podcast is supported to you by American University's Center for Teaching, Research, and Learning. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, cheers!